you. I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Hey, you guys, and welcome to another episode of the Women With Fire podcast. You are with Michelle and Sarah. Happy Thursday. Our hearts are kind of heavy today. (laughs) Yeah, they totally are. So just so you know, on Thursdays, we talk about the quest. And if you don't know about what the quest is, and this is your first time listening, welcome to your quest. And go back and listen to episode 48. That is going to give you a really great overview of what the quest is. And we went through... Every other episode up until now has been about the quest, and now we get to talk about something a little bit heavy. We're talking about, I'm just going to tell you what we're going to talk about. (laughs) There are two types of quests, those you choose and those you do not choose, and the ones you choose are usually a lot more fun, and that's what we usually talk about because it talks, you know, about your business and your influence and things, but that part of a quest when you're compelled to quest is hard. It's really hard. (laughs) It is. And it's, it just, it's also, we've talked about this a little bit that we tried to record this in the summer to be ahead of the game, this specific episode. And we just couldn't, we either ran out of time. We ran into a technical problem at the library we were at and we just couldn't get this episode off the ground. And we just thought, well, compelled to quest. Like, there's some really basic principles here that can help us get through these quests when they are compelled, meaning they're forced upon you, that it wasn't your choice for these things to happen. And what we realized through the past few months as the summer has ended is that this is a very personal topic to not only us, but to you as listeners. We've had experiences, personal one-on-one experiences and group experiences talking with you about the challenges that you have faced in so many ways and how that impacts your connection with God, how that impacts your relationship with yourself and your family and the challenges that that has brought. And so we are grateful for your candor that has allowed us to put the halt (laughs) on this episode for a while as we tried to really figure out what are those skills and what is the doctrine behind going through a quest that is something that has been placed upon you? So Michelle, maybe open up the idea of kind of kinds of quests that they might be compelled to endure. Just kind of break it up into sections. Okay. So you can be compelled to quest because of life events. So this is like sickness, um, maybe you're the caregiver of someone. Maybe you're, you are suffering through infertility or loss of some kind. And then there are also other quests that happen because of other choices, other people's choices. So maybe your husband is absent or you have challenges with your children or things that you, people's choices are affecting your life and making you have to start this quest. And, and it's hard. It's hard. So it can really be broken down into those two. Or the third one, which is a little bit hard. And this is the one we didn't (laughs) dare tackle. 
that wasn't even on our radar, right? No. And like, how dumb of us, because yeah. this is the human existence, right? Yeah. And sometimes we, we make choices. We make choices that are not necessarily awesome. And because of that, we have consequences. And we are either on a quest back to Christ or, you know, or to overcome something. And so these three types are, are when you're compelled to quest. And, ah, they're hard. <laughs> but, but I, did, I want to give you hope because I will always be the eternal optimist. And it's something that Sarah and I were talking about in discussing what we wanted to share today is that there are some things that the reason why I don't necessarily talk about my trials as much as maybe other people, but, and I don't know, just kind of my personality, but I do think one of the things is these are some of my most sacred experiences with Christ. And so I don't, I don't ever want to treat that lightly. And I want to make sure that, that how I share and the stories that I share and my experiences are given in the best way and the way that can be received the best because they are so sacred and dear to me. And, and so we are all going to go through these types of trials because either, you know, someone's making bad choices or just life events, or I've made a terrible choice, but I, I just want you to know that there's a lot of hope in it because it's in these moments that we become very intimately acquainted with Christ. And I, I love what Michelle said about really how personal this can be. And so you may wish that we maybe got more specific here or, and on some we will be, but others really are just really sacred. And I know that you have experienced that as a listener and that those are things, man, do, do you think on the other side, we're going to be grateful? Like we're going to thank heavenly father for the challenges and the trials that we face. Like, I think we will, I think we will. And that's such a, a beautiful perspective. And one of the things I really love if you have not read Sherry Dew's book worth the wrestle um, you need to read it you really need to read it and one of the takeaways from that book I'm not going to quote her directly but one of my personal takeaways from that book is often trials bring us into a place of questioning in some form questioning how God feels about us questioning how others feel about us questioning how we feel about ourselves our role our abilities am I really a child of God am I who am I really? I mean, there are so many questions. It may make you question your lifelong faith. It, you know, just so many different questions arise when, when there's a trial. And the takeaway I had from that book are that questions are good and they are welcome. And in fact, some of the greatest revelations in the church and some of the greatest, most sacred experiences in her life have come because of questions. And so sometimes like, saying it out loud, like saying, I am in the middle of something awful that is maybe my fault and that's maybe not my fault, but I believe that God can make something of this and that I believe something really life-changing can come out of this. I have experienced that. I share my testimony that that has happened in my life with the crummy mistakes I have made and the, the crummy mistakes others have made, that God can make something of it. So if you're feeling discouraged, if you're in the middle of it right now, our heart is heavy for you. And, and so we push you to be that visionary that we know you can be, to know that God can make something out of it. And we're going to give you some ideas of ways that you can allow him to make something out of it. 
the church recently, like really recently, like maybe this week, um, <clears throat> released the church history saints volume one. Is it just volume one that's out? Yes, anyway, so I've been listening it, listening to it. Cause I don't read. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she can read. She just doesn't read. <laughs> I don't read while I'm cleaning. So I do read when I clean. Anyway, I may listen while I clean, but one of the things that I was really thinking about today, I was listening because it goes through each time Joseph Smith goes and tries to get the plates to bring them back. And each year he goes and in this account, it's just talks about how he does certain things that makes him not worthy to get the plates. Then like the first time he goes, he, or second time, uh, I don't remember anyway, but he grabs the plates and puts them down and then realizes there's more other valuable things in there. And he, and he's like, Oh, I should cover those up. And when he looks back, he sees the plates are gone. And Rona's like, you, I can't trust you yet. And he, it just kind of talks more. I've just been really amazed to see how Joseph Smith takes these times when he, he's like kind of messed up a couple times, you know, and he's, but in the years, you know, line upon line, he's progressing and he's taken these mistakes that he's made and he's learned, he's learned stuff. <laughs> and I love, I, I love how human humanizing it is for me because he's, you know, the prophet of this dispensation and did so much. And yet here he is learning just like me, line upon line and making mistakes and allowing Christ to be there to give him the faith and the courage and to learn, you know, and to repent. And it talks about like how so often, like he was yeah, arguing with his wife, Emma, and he couldn't what translate the plates. Right. And so until he went back and he apologized and he prayed and, and asked for forgiveness. And I just think that forgiveness and the atonement of Jesus Christ and repentance should be a message of hope. It shouldn't be something that makes us feel bad. <laughs> And if we can hold on to that and really renew our covenants each week and, and make Christ a part of our lives. And this is, I'm preaching to myself right now. Anyway, you know, this is, <laughs> this is something that I'm trying to grasp as well, but just that our mistakes don't define us, but our choices in how we recover from those mistakes do. It, that is quotable right there. Absolutely. And I love what she talks about, about how, we need to talk about how the atonement has applied in all people's lives, including Joseph Smith's, right? Even like the great prophet of the restoration, even Joseph Smith, how did the atonement apply to him? That, that there are patterns here. There are patterns here of mistakes and failures and victories and visions and miracles. There are patterns with ordinary people who eventually get chosen as prophets and leaders. And Michelle knows this, and you as listeners may not know this. I grew up in a really unique household when it comes to stuff like this, because my grandfather was the church historian, like the general church historian for a decade. And so my dinner table was regularly filled with conversations about this. I knew from a very, very young age that there were multiple accounts of the first vision, which are covered in this new book, and some of the, the ideas behind that. I knew that from like a, a really young age, like before I hit Young Women's. I knew that. I knew that. Um, I knew some of the challenges that Joseph Smith had faced, 
And, and then as, you know, my grandfather was very forward thinking, and this was back in the 90s, and really wanted us to be able to push the idea of, of honesty in church history. And this was hard back then to swallow because of some of the glaring mistakes that appear in our history. The true glaring mistakes, they're out there, they're there, and they are also covered in this new book that's free online, which is really amazing. I've been so grateful for the candor there. And because of how hard he tried to push this transparency thing, again, clear back in the 80s and 90s, there were some real challenges with the people he worked with. People who were wonderful members of the 12 and prophets and leaders and men and women. And that, as I have read about his life and I've read his diary, his diary was just released this year in 2018. That has been a really fascinating experience for me to also see the pattern in their lives and in his life as they have hard interactions with people that are really important in so many ways and how the atonement has worked in their life and how when he's lost his temper, how has the atonement worked in his life? And it's made me think maybe it can work in mine. (laughs) Maybe it could like go figure, right? The transparency is so beautiful. And I remember sitting back in med school And I hope you can help me remember the name of this woman that spoke. It was at the General Relief Society meeting when my husband was in med school and I was so empty spiritually and I was so grateful to be able to attend this meeting. And she talked about how her husband was terminally ill. He was terminally ill and in the hospital. And she said just one line. She said, I was so angry with God. And I like perked up at this moment because you know this was four or five years ago I don't know how good we were at saying those real human emotions that come out when we are compelled to quest or when we sin and those real emotions come out what are those emotions and she like said this one sentence and she said I was angry with God and we'll put the reference in our show notes but she talks about what skills she used in order to reapproach God and how she stopped praying almost in rebellion and and was so angry with this situation and I thought oh, this is a lady who has figured out that this is part of the experience of being here on earth and these compelled to quest things while they may bring anger can bring powerful spiritual experiences between you and deity you and deity what a marvelous thing and i love how she was willing to share that so that's kind of the approach we want to take as we talk today is we're gonna we're gonna share some pretty raw feelings of things that we have experienced and seen and learned and also give you some of the skills that we feel like um have helped us through those things so you feeling heavy yet (laughs) are you feeling it i'm feeling it (laughs) Oh, we've got to get real, right? We have to get real in the rawness. And now a small break. A word from those who make this podcast possible. This podcast is powered by Entreport. Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all. 
email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is the one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email lists, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash to get started. And now back to the Women With Fire podcast. Well, Sarah and I have been talking about like there are some parts of Compelled the Quest that we share with other people, you know, like it's someone else's story. And so we can't necessarily share our, all the details, but, but something that Sarah and I share is, is that I've had, I've had three miscarriages. Sarah's had two and an eptopic pregnancy, which I can never say, it's okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> but some really hard things. And, and I remember with my first miscarriage, I was 20. I'd been married for six months and I was 13 weeks pregnant when I miscarried. And so it was a pretty traumatic experience for me. And I remember the feeling of like embarrassment. I was completely embarrassed. I was completely like stripped down to the very core and let's all take a minute and remember our first year of marriage. Can we all hold hands? <laughs> <laughs> like it's, you know, like I have this, suddenly I'm married to, I mean, the best man ever, but like, I have to, I have to go through this completely raw and ugly, you know, this whole thing. And I remember like, I'd already told people that I was pregnant cause I was 13 weeks. And I just remember just it being too heavy to bear. I remember looking in the mirror and just have, I, I had just been sad, like just sad. And I mean, you know, my default is not sad. <laughs> not at all. It isn't. And, um, I could physically see a difference in, in my countenance. And I knew, I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't do it alone. And so I had to test, like I was 20 years old. I'd been out of young women's for like a year and a half. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> But basically, right. That's like a I, perspective. Yeah. Like I just was not very, I just was super young and, and I had to test, like I had to test all these things. I'd born testimony and at girls camp about, and I'd had to test like, yes, of course, Christ loved me, but would he take it away? Would he take the pain and the hurt away? And so I remember kneeling at my bed and just giving it to him. And I felt a physical, physical weight being taking, taken. And um, I just, I'm going to tell you, I still had doctor's appointments. I still like had to go through the embarrassment and I had to do all the things that happens after those kinds of things happen. But that weight wasn't there because I wasn't walking alone anymore. And what Michelle has shared here is a really important skill. And I know that she blames it on her age and how soon she had been in young women's, but she, she had to test it. She had to test it. And part of that is that good old faith word that when it really comes down to it, if you're trying to start that experience between you and deity, 
that you've got to start testing it with the basics, with getting on your knees and begging for it and begging for it. And I think that that is a really, really valid step. And I think one of the interesting things is I think about that first year of marriage for you and the things you were going through. And I also think of Robbie, your wonderful husband. And sometimes I have had experiences watching my honey and seeing the challenges he has faced in academics and med school and scheduling and oh, you name it. And it is so hard to watch someone go through those things and to feel equally paralyzed and equally heavy. And so if, if you are someone who has not struggled with infertility and yet you've got four kids and you've got a sister who has zero and is begging for one, you can feel heavy just as she is. And that can bring a huge challenge. And one of the things that I have learned from that is this concept of slipping into what we call survival mode hmm. when we are compelled to quest, whether it's our decision, choices of others, or just life events happening. Survival mode is a little bit of a slang term, right? We're just in survival mode. I'm like, have I been doing that for like 11 years? <laughs> yes. Yes. And what I've learned from that and, and sort of the dangers of that mindset. So many of you, hardly any of you know, <laughs> that none of you know, probably, um, that my sweet dad has Alzheimer's. Um, he is in his 80s, and I'm going to ball my way through this whole story right from the beginning, of course. <laughs> when I told it to Michelle, I'm like, well, at least I got it out now, and I won't. I won't sob about this, but my sweet dad has Alzheimer's, and my sweet mom has her own health challenges that have made it very, very hard for her to be a caregiver for him, but she wanted to keep him home before going into a, a, a memory care facility for as long as possible. As she was his caregiver, she held the calling of a Relief Society teacher. Once a month, it was perfect for her. She's a dynamic teacher, a prepared teacher, a wonderful teacher, the one that you like. If you're not sure if you want to go to church, if you find out she's teaching, you're there kind of thing. <laughs> she's so good. But some of the things that started to happen was my sweet dad, in the middle of his Alzheimer's, she would be up there teaching and his behavior was odd. He would walk up and stand next to her. He would make weird comments. He would ask kind of off the wall questions. He'd lurk around the room. Some of these things that caused my mom's calling to be a massive burden. She felt really, really nervous about showing up there at church to, to give her talk because of this behavior. And so in her survival mode, she approached her Relief Society president and she said, it is time for me to be released. This is too much and just makes me really overwhelmed when it's my week to teach and I worry about what my husband's going to do. And this wonderful Relief Society president saw that my mom was in the middle of survival mode in all her right <laughs> to be in survival mode. And what I learned from this is survival mode often blinds us from what is really needed in order to connect with deity. 
And this Relief Society president saw that. And instead of releasing her from her calling, which is what she had asked for, this Relief Society president went to the priesthood quorum and sent around a sign-up sheet and asked if every month a man would sign up to leave church and come home with my dad during third hour so that my mom could teach and that he could have a friend. What is wrong with me, Michelle? <laughs> and this was such a, a very sacred experience for our family to learn that survival mode often blinds us from what we need. And I pray that I can be that Relief Society president as far as her perspective one day to see that it wasn't the calling that she needed to let go. That in fact, she needed the calling to feel part of the ward, to feel like she was progressing spiritually and what she needed was a break and a way to do it. And she looked outside the box and she decided what does ministering really mean? And what that means is my mom could keep her calling. My dad could have a fabulous third hour with a friend from the priesthood quorum. So that's the skill, my wonderful friends, is if you feel like you're in a situation where you are in pure survival mode, I hope someone's looking out for you. But if it's you, pray for perspective and what your real needs are. Sometimes it is to slim things down and to have less responsibility or whatever that may be. But you may be surprised how the Lord will open your mind to what you really need in order to grow with him instead of just surviving. Sarah. Oh, that was so good. So good. And, um, and it's, it's so spot on in what we're trying to say, because I, when we are just trying to survive and we're just, then it often, often what it does is it puts all it's kind of like, I can handle this. I've got this. When oftentimes you don't got this, you need Christ all the time. So I love, I love your sweet mom and dad. And I love that you shared that story. And one of the things that, um, in a less dramatic, like less of a huge story, this is just very small, but I was thinking, I've been thinking on Sarah's interview that I did a couple weeks ago about people who might feel invisible in my ward. And I've been just kind of thinking about that. And my calling right now is Relief Society Activities Leader. And um, I was planning this, um, we're planning an activity for September for the Relief Society. And um, I did a poll in our Relief Society Facebook group. And we, like, I, I asked them what things they wanted to learn. And so I took the top three things that they wanted to learn. And we had a meeting about it with my board. Now, I don't know if you know me, but I hate meetings. <laughs> I do. And so my only goal was to get to the meeting quickly and oh Michelle sometimes but anyway so we are at the meeting and like the top three were iPhone photography which I could teach right now if I needed to and genealogy which my mother-in-law could teach right now you know and there's one more that we couldn't find a teacher for and so that's what we were planning to do and um I got to church yes last week and um I was, I had a few conversations with some sisters about the activity and the feeling just felt, I just felt like it wasn't right. And this, the thought of Sarah, what Sarah said to me, uh, said in our interview that, um, we need to make sure that 
get the people who feel invisible a place. And I thought about the reason why I was doing this whole activity was to, to we just had a, a ward merge. And so I really wanted to feature people who needed it. And here I was, me being the teacher and my mother-in-law being the teacher who didn't need it. We're visible, you know, we're, we're fine. We don't need the visibility. And so it completely changed just that thought of, from Sarah completely changed my course. And I, I asked a few ladies that do need the visibility and who have so much to share and so much to offer. In that meeting, I was in survival mode. Sarah and I were launching our mentoring. I really only had an hour to give. I had a crazy week that week. And I just really was like, I don't have time for this. I don't, I can't plan this. I can't take any longer than I need to. And so I just in survival mode started just what was, what's the easiest answer? What's the easiest answer? And, and it wasn't accomplishing what needed to be done. I think this can be applied broadly and it can also be applied very intimately into what we're doing in our lives. And instead of doing things just because it's the easy answer, like release me or then that's not really what I didn't, you know, I didn't, what we really needed was to minister, right? Is to really minister. I love that. And that should be no new idea for us that it's not always the easiest solution that is the right one. Like that should not be a new concept to us. But when we are in survival mode, that is our only route is what is easiest. So as we've really tackled some intense stuff, right? And this new concept to us that what is easiest may not be best. New concept, right people? <laughs> new concept. If you feel you are in the middle of a quest because of poor decisions you have made, I have a really unique approach to that from President Spencer W. Kimball. It's in the book On Earth As It Is In Heaven by Patricia Holland and Jeffrey R. Holland. And Patricia Holland quotes him, and it's really, really short. We believe in the path of the atonement. We believe in the steps of repentance, all those things. And here is one more thing to consider that I thought was so awesome. She says, President Spencer W. Kimball counseled that as we try to overlook what others have done to us, we will begin to let go of all that has been hard to forgive in ourselves. We will feel peace and wholeness, and we will remember that the Lord suffered for our sins so we could experience at one with him, with our neighbors, and very importantly, with ourselves. And that's from the book, Faith Precedes the Miracle. And I love that because sometimes you know the steps of repentance and you're working on it. And sometimes you're praying your guts out and trying to forgive yourself. And what a beautiful approach to maybe start extending that forgiveness in advance to other people, to look around, to see it, to start forgiving, put that forgiveness in action. And then a prophet of God has promised you that that will help you forgive the things that are hard to forgive, even about yourself. So whether you're going through a trial um, because of someone else's choices or like health problems, or you're taking care of someone with health problems, like with, Sarah's mom is helping her dad. And my dad was recently went through cancer treatments and leukemia and, and he's okay now, but you know, whatever the trial is, whether it's whatever, there is this decision point, And I always have to bring it back to Nephi. He's my guy. 
He's my guy. He is the ultimate quester. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he is. And so this is in First Nephi chapter 2. So they had just left Jerusalem. And we know, because we've read the Book of Mormon, that Nephi chooses to follow the prophet, right? And follow Christ. And his brothers, who are on the same quest as he is, don't choose it. And there is a decision point, and it happens in First Nephi chapter 2, verse 16, and it's right after, and my father dwelt in a tent, okay? And it came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature, and also having great desires to know of the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord. He didn't just go and pray. He said, I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me. And did soften my heart that I did believe all the words which had been spoken by my father. Wherefore, I did not rebel against him like unto my brothers. Everything that Nephi did, you can kind of come back to this point where he went to his, went to God in prayer with a deep desire, which I think is a question. Like, I think he went with questions, right? He said, I want to know, like, I want to know if this is true. I want to know the mysteries of God. And guess what? Behold, he did visit me and did soften my heart. Did he still have to go in the, in the wilderness? Yep. Did his brothers still beat him up? Yep. Did he still have to build a boat? Did he have to start his own civilization? He had all these things, but he had this point in his compelled quest where he went to God and asked to know and asked if God would walk with him. And that made all the difference. We see Laman and Lemuel didn't, didn't do this. They, when Nephi told them, it says, behold, Laman and Lemuel would not hearken unto my words, but, and being grieved because of the hardness of their hearts, I cried unto the Lord for them. <laughs> so Nephi tried, you know, but you have to, you have to make the choice to turn to Christ and make him a part of your compelled to quest. Cause we have to go through these. This is what life is all about. And it's in these compelled to quest moments. A lot of times where we have the most sacred, intimate experiences with our savior, Jesus Christ. And so they're important and oh, so special, um, but they're hard. And we hope that as you've heard of some of these ideas, that this could give you a fresh jump start on some of the challenges you have faced, whether past, present, or just starting. You can see the writing on the wall, so to speak, as we encourage you to forgive others so that you can believe in that power of forgiveness and forgive yourself for the mistakes that all of us make, that you can look at the patterns of the atonement and forgiveness that have happened in church history, as well as in the Bible and the Book of Mormon, that you can see those patterns that great people err. Great people who change the face of history error, and have to experience these things. There's space for you. That's what there is. And last, that you can let go of the survivor mode mentality so that you can no longer be blinded to what the real needs are as you go through these quests. And in closing, I'm going to share a 30-second thing I learned from that sweet father of mine. It was the week before I left on my mission, and we were sitting there, and I said, Dad... What would you think would be the most important thing I could teach the people of Detroit? My dad was a, 
a state president who had just been released and was then a patriarch. And he's always been a very visionary man in my life. And he turned to me and he said, you know, ready for the shock factor? He said, I would teach them that the God you know is more powerful than the God they know. And I said, Dad, that's kind of rude. <laughs> Isn't that kind of rude? <laughs> I'm serving in something known as somewhat of the Bible Belt, even though it's far north. And he said, no, the God that you believe in and the God that you and I know can change us to become great people. He can actually change the heart. He can change how you feel about an experience. He can change how you feel about other people. And he goes, I don't know of anything more powerful than the God that we know. So share that with the people of Detroit. And I bear testimony to that, that the God you know and desire to believe in is stronger and more powerful than you think he is. And he's ready to take an active role as you are compelled to quest. We love you. We cheer for you. We thank you for sharing this space with us. Podcasts are amazing for many, many reasons. And we feel really grateful to have you as listeners. And thanks for opening us into your ears. <laughs> um, we will go ahead and say goodbye and cheer you on with your quest and that we love you and thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.